Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Testudo Talk podcast. It's been a couple weeks since we've talked to you guys. Been on a little bit of a hiatus, but a lot has happened uh, with Maryland men's basketball specifically in these last couple weeks. And that's what I, Emmett Siegel, along with Andrew Chotis, are here to talk to you guys about. Uh, Andrew, I'll let you start off the show with just, you know, it's been, like I said, a little bit since we've recorded an episode um, and it's been an eventful season, uh, no doubt about that for uh, for Maryland men's basketball. So if you could just kind of give a word, maybe maybe a sentence, just a brief description of the way the team has played over the last three weeks and just kind of a, a state of the team from your perspective. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's been a lot of missed opportunities uh, in the past few weeks, for sure. And I think the team continues to to confuse us a little bit. I mean, obviously, a top five defense in the country, according to most metrics, but the offense at times it just stalls out incredibly, and it's the it's the close games, right? They they since we talked, they they've moved to one in seven in one possession games, which is a pretty insane metric. And they have a big opportunity tomorrow or Saturday rather uh, against Illinois. But postseason aspirations still look grim. But I think this season has just been filled with missed opportunities, and especially in the last week, if you want to go more into specifics. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a couple games this year that have really felt like it could go either way, and Maryland's been on the uh, on the wrong side of that. Um, the Ohio State game recently, you know, comes to uh, comes to mind first and foremost with all the missed free throws uh, down the stretch, and then two overtime periods, and you know, coming out on the wrong side of the result. There, um, it's been a season that has felt just kind of you know plagued by by games like that. Um, I'm also thinking about the game at home against Rutgers. Um, just a really, really bad offensive showing from both teams, really. But, you know, Maryland ends up losing and there's not really much you can say that they deserve to win that game just the way they played on the offensive end. Um, yeah. You know, Maryland, you know, we've talked about this uh, a little bit amongst ourselves, but but good teams find ways to win those games, find ways to win close games and, you know, come out on the right side of those. Maryland has not done that. And that's, you know, kind of things, unfortunately, that not so great teams do is they they find ways to lose games that maybe they should win. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say that Maryland should have won many of those games because it hasn't really proven itself as, you know, a team that's super capable of stringing together a lot of conference wins, especially in a Big Ten that's really jumbled in the middle and, you know, a lot of teams very even. But, you know, when you look at this season so far, I think it's, you know, rendered to pretty much everyone a disappointment. Um, you know, obviously still a little bit of time left, but pretty much no time and you pretty much have to win out at this point if you want to even be in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. So, you know, yeah, I think I'd agree with you. Missed opportunities are really what what has shaped these last couple of weeks. Um, and it's kind of in in my, at least in my perception, and we can talk a little bit more about it, but in my perception, kind of dwindled any remaining hopes that this team could compete for not large bit in the NCAA tournament. Now, you know, winning the Big Ten tournament is realistically not going to happen for this team. You're kind of staring down the barrel of year two of Kevin Willard ending a little bit prematurely. Yeah. I, I mean, just kind of just the hound on the one possession thing. I mean, against Minnesota, they had a double digital lead, blew that. As Michigan State, they fight back in the second half, take a lead, and then they don't score for, I believe it was five or six minutes almost to end the game. Northwestern, you have a lead in the last minute. Can't pull that off. Right. So like you said, just a lot of missed opportunities um, this season. And it's just, it's just, when you look back at the season, it's almost like what could have been, but you're right. You know, good good teams find ways to win, and maybe and teams that struggle, especially Maryland offensively. It's really it's Jameer Young, and he's he's not getting much help right now. Julian Reese has been on and off. Some games he'll look like one of the best big men in the country, and then other games he'll just really fall flat, like he did against Ohio State. Really struggled 
if he makes some of his shots, some of his free throws, Maryland wins that game. Um, Dante Scott, very hot and cold as well. Hasn't played his best basketball in the past few games, was, was on a higher trajectory, and he's kind of fallen off a little bit. One thing we can talk about, which is a positive, has was the emergence of Deshaun Harris Smith in the last game against Iowa. He looked he looked really really good, put up a career high seventeen points. And if Maryland can get that consistent output from him, I think that's very very telling for the future, and that's definitely a positive thing to take away. But again, it's only one game where he showed that, but still, at least a positive thing to see. Yeah, and that Iowa game, you know, it looked like it was kind of doomed, and then Maryland turned it around there um, in that second half and got the win. So that's their most recent game as of this recording. Um, they have a game on Saturday against Illinois, like you said. Um, don't know how many of you will be listening before that, but we'll talk uh, a little bit later about what that game has in store, what it might mean for the Terps. Um, but yeah, that game that game against Iowa, was uh, it was a promising second half, especially. Like you said, Deshaun Harris-Smith really stood out there, uh, the way he came off the bench. You know, some lineup changes recently. Matty Triore, excuse me, um, put into the starting lineup. Uh, Jordan Geronimo, not in the starting lineup at Ohio State. He had a hand injury, and then uh, not in the starting lineup again against Iowa. Um, you know, some more, some more lineup changes with Jahari Long sliding in there. Jamie Kaiser also got a start. Um, Matty Triore and Jordan Geronimo both went down with what looked like leg injuries, maybe knee injuries against Iowa. Um, Triore's looked a little bit more serious at first glance, but, you know, at the time of this recording, we don't really have any further updates on them, obviously hoping for the best. But Maryland's, you know, you're seeing what, what Kevin Willard kind of has to do at this point in the season. It's just kind of try and scramble and push any buttons he can. I think Deshaun Harris-Smith coming off the bench isn't a bad idea, and that's not just because he played well against Iowa, just because, you know, as a freshman, especially as a guard with some of the great guards in this league and, you know, some of the guys like Jameer you have beside him that are a little bit more experienced, it's not a bad thing to let, you know, some of those more experienced guys kind of feel it out before throwing the freshman in there. And you kind of saw him, you know, get more comfortable, felt like he was playing a little bit looser against Iowa. At least that's what it looked like to me. Jamie Kaiser as well as kind of, you know, I won't say he's coming to his own because he's still got a lot to work on, but, you know, his his role seems to he seems to be kind of becoming a little bit more comfortable with it. We have seen some development of those guys over the course of the year, which has been promising. But like you said, the real issues have been the fact that there isn't really a lot of depth to this team's offense and the offense has been killing them. You know, we can talk about the defense. It's been unbelievable, but the offense has just been killing them because. It's Jameer Young. Sometimes it's Julian Reese, but pretty much everyone else except for Jameer Young is not stepping up on a consistent basis. You know, Dante Scott, when 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 he was playing well, um, you know, his best stretch, which was a couple weeks ago, the team really looked like it, you know, had a little bit more life than it did earlier in the year. Yeah. You know, you're looking at wasting what's going to be an incredible season from Jameer Young. I mean, he has over 500 points this year, crossed the 1,000 point threshold for his Maryland career. He's not even done with his second season yet. I mean, this guy's going to be an all-conference player again. You know, he, he's had an unbelievable season and it just feels like, I don't want to say a waste, but, it, you know, it kind of does feel like you're wasting such an amazing season from your point guard who's not going to be here next year. And you're going to have to answer some really tough questions that, you know, we'll get to at the end of the year. We don't need to, you know, the season's not over yet, so we're not going to memorialize it quite yet. But, you know, you're looking at the season that Jameer Young is putting together, the fact that he's getting no help. I think that's going to be what I've remembered most so far from the season, what I probably will end up end up remembering most is just the way that this team wasn't constructed to give a guy that's so dynamic like that enough help to really, you know, kind of push the team over the edge. Yeah, no, and, and with the offense, it's just that, that they haven't been able to get the timely buckets they need late in games. And then the scoring droughts throughout, we've seen so many games where they'll go five minutes without a field goal, six minutes without a field goal. 
and all of a sudden they have this great defensive performance where they where they hold these teams to whatever, and then it kind of just wear wears out, right? Eventually, if you're not scoring and you have to, it's just the other teams are able to capitalize and transition, and that and that's hurt and that's hurt Maryland immensely. I think the comparison I, I told you the other day is that they're kind of playing like a Virginia team, right? The stout defense. But they're the offense is not able to get those timely buckets and, and and a team like Virginia, which I know is gonna make Maryland fans angry, they're able to, right? And that's the difference between having 14 wins and having 19 wins, right? And you look at the season uh, you know, significantly differently. But all you can do if you're Maryland at this point is just you just have to take it game by game at this rate. And you mentioned the really crowded Big Ten. Like right, right now, they're I believe they're 11th or no, they're 10th in the conference, but it's so crowded. They they, they can finish. 13th in the conference or they could finish fifth like it's it's really a matter of it's between it's, i think two games back right now so you look at that and you really don't know what's gonna happen up to the big 10 tournament so it's really just a wait and see and i guess just take it game by game yeah you know the big 10 seems to kind of always play out like that where it's like really mixed up in the middle maybe a couple teams at the top i mean this year it feels like i mean it really feels like purdue and everyone else i know wisconsin's kind of in that conversation yeah, they you know, illinois when they're healthy maybe but you know, yeah, it really feels like Purdue and everyone else. And then at the bottom, I don't know, Michigan's terrible this year. Uh, you know, Penn State's maybe playing a little bit better than we thought, but they're not very good. But yeah, Maryland, you could slot, like you said, pretty much anywhere from like the early teens to like fifth right now, like in just where they are, not even in terms of their record, just where you think they stack up with the other teams. You know, they remind me. Virginia is a, is a good comp, you know, there's obviously the difference being that Virginia kind of embraces that identity a little bit more. And, you know, also Virginia, their better teams at least are able to score the basketball. And that's the thing about Maryland that, you know, has been the most confusing to me. And, you know, this is once again, maybe a little bit of a discussion for a later date, but just the fact that it feels like it's been a couple years since Maryland has been like really dynamic on offense in any way. And, not, and I'm using dynamic very liberally here. Like, has had really like a, an offensive identity, um, you know, even in the seasons where they had like, you know, Cowan and Sticks and, you know, where they won a share of the Big Ten title, it felt like they were just kind of relying on really good players to, to bail themselves out. This is another coach ago, you know, I'm not, this is not a Kevin Willard problem. It's just weird that it feels like this is what Maryland's been recently. And, you know, after last year, the way you saw them kind of come together towards the end of the year, especially the way they defended home court, you know, defense really led them last year. But the thing was, you had guys like Hakeem Hart to pick you up. You know, you had guys like Patrick Emelian coming off the bench, Ian Martinez coming off the bench. You had Don Carey. That was a threat from outside. And, you know, we've talked enough about the three-point shooting and how bad it's been. There are no reliable three-point shooters on this team. You know, even Jamie Kaiser, Jameer Young, you know, they'll, they'll hit a three here and there, but I wouldn't call them reliable by any means. You know, you're just lacking. I, I would say it really just comes down to roster construction so far. And, you know, we're rehashing stuff from the past. It's just, you know, it just feels like this, this team is inherently flawed and, they're kind of trying to to win in spite of that, as opposed to, you know, playing into their identity. And unfortunately, their identity is, you know, not it's not working so far, you know, and, and it's, it's time's running out to the point where, you know, you can pretty much just say Maryland is what it is. I think we're past the point where we can say, you know, maybe they do this, maybe they do that. I think we kind of know what this team is. I think, you know, the sample size is, is there at this point. You know, the season is is coming coming to a close in about a month. Um you know, just the way I kind of look at this team, I just see, you know, a lot of flaws that are going to need to be shored up in the offseason. And uh, it's going to be a really interesting last couple of weeks to kind of see how this thing plays out. And, you know, maybe they can end the season on a positive note, build a little bit of momentum, 
maybe get some recruiting wins here and there, but um, it definitely doesn't feel like, you know, optimism around the program, just using anecdotal evidence of, you know, us being students, being in College Park, being at all the games, it just doesn't really feel like there's much juice right now to the program, which I know was, you know, one of the biggest concerns that people had under the, the later years of Mark Turgeon was just kind of the stagnancy of the program. It feels like very quickly after a year where people were optimistic, we've kind of reverted right back to where we started when Willard arrived. Yeah, no, I, I think that's said pretty perfectly. And I think there's obviously there's still a season left, so it's not time to discuss this yet. But I think, you know, discussions are starting about next season and, and where the roster construction is. Obviously, you're going to lose Jameer Young. You're going to lose Dante Scott. I know there's been some discussions about possible transfers. We won't get into that. But, you know, there's a big 6'10 guy out of out of Baltimore that that, that Maryland's obviously very keen on. Uh, so his decision might be coming fairly soon, but for Maryland, you got to focus on, on the end of the season, right? You have opportunities. You kind of have to forget about those, those missed opportunities. And I'm really intrigued to see what happens, especially tomorrow against, against an Illinois team, which they've kind of owned in the past couple of years. Obviously Illinois gets Terrence Shannon jr. Back who they didn't have uh, when Maryland uh, went, went to Illinois a few weeks back and, and, and upset them. Uh, so I think tomorrow will be a really tough challenge uh, for Maryland. Obviously, an Illinois team is going to be frustrated, coming kind of coming out with a vengeance with, with what happened last year as well when Maryland uh, upset them at Xfinity Center. So we'll see what happens. I think Illinois is going to come out, give them their best shot, and um, I would give the edge to Illinois. I guess your thoughts. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think Illinois uh, should be rightfully favored in this game. Um, I think Terrence Shannon Jr. coming back is so big. I mean, he's the best player on that team. You know, for my money, he's probably the best player in the Big Ten, not named Zach Eady. You know, he's he's an, he's an incredible player that really kind of just changes the dynamic of the game. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's going to be, you know, really kind of the difference there. Um, you know, like you said, Maryland has, for whatever reason, and I always compare Maryland and Illinois as kind of peers in the Big Ten, not necessarily because um, of their results or anything like that, but just because I feel like the fan bases, the programs have a lot of similarities. I've always kind of likened uh, Illinois fans as kind of the closest basketball equivalent to Maryland fans, at least in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Um, but interestingly enough, Maryland has, like you said, kind of dominated them, um, at least especially in recent years. I mean, Brad Underwood has never won an Xfinity Center. It seems like every time that Maryland goes to Illinois, it's a close game or Maryland wins, no matter who's ranked higher. Um, so you never know. But uh, but I think Illinois should be the favorite in this game. They've proven it over the course of the season. I think Marcus Damask is playing unbelievable basketball right now. I mean, he's been playing it the whole year, but, you know, you talk about guys that are transferring up, you know, we talk about Jameer Young all the time, you know, Damask is a baller, right? He's, he's playing unbelievable. Um, and I, and he's just kind of adding a whole nother layer to that team. That's already so dynamic. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting game and it's kind of one of those that, um, you know, you look at the Wisconsin game coming up on the road against a tough team. That's, you know, really, really tough to beat at their place, especially um, coming up early next week. You know, for Maryland, this is, you know, kind of maybe your last chance at really a signature win, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the Wisconsin game, depending on how they finish the season. But, you know, you're, you're looking at this game as kind of one of a, a very few fleeting opportunities left to really make a statement, maybe kind of try to put yourself back in the picture here and, and help your Big Ten tournament seating. Because if you're looking at, you know, having to, uh, to, to face down the gauntlet of having to win the Big Ten tournament to make the NCAA tournament or even to make the NIT whatever it may be, depending on the way the season ends, you know, you're looking at, uh, you're, you're, you're looking at games like this as, you know, potential deciding factors, um, when you get down, get down to it. So, um, 
I'm expecting Illinois to win this one, but it's, you know, Saturday at Xfinity, Illinois, the way they've played, um, you know, against Maryland could go either way. And, you know, a big game from Jameer Young, maybe Julian Reese steps up. Maybe you get a guy like Dante Scott, you know, has, you know, 15, 20 point game. And then all of a sudden, you know, you look up and you never know what happens. That's, that's kind of the thing about this Maryland team is that like, you know, I don't have a lot of confidence in them to put together wins on a consistent basis, but the way they play defense and, yeah. you know, having a guy like Jameer Young means that there's never a game where you can go into it and say they have no chance. Yeah, it's 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 a really unpredictable team. Obviously, it depends if the offense can can have a few shots go in. Um, but I guess just to hound on this fact again, every game uh, here on now for Maryland is unbelievably crucial uh, for any postseason aspirations, whether that that is the NIT uh, for, or the NCAA tournament. Um, gonna be probably a roller coaster of an end to the season, if we're being honest. Just the way Maryland's played in the games have uh, have have ended a recent, but. It'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yes, no doubt. Um, I think what's Maryland have left? I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, you got you know uh, not not that many games left, less than ten. Um, and you know, Big Ten tournament coming up. You know, the, these these next couple weeks are going to be interesting. Um, they're definitely in my in my personal opinion, what I'm expecting. Um, you know, assuming that they don't go on some miracle run here, not going to be nearly as interesting as maybe the next couple weeks after that, as we start to see you know, the way the roster starts to shape up for next year, we start to see kind of the discourse around Kevin Willard. We'll get into all that later, um, you know, once the season ends and, you know, maybe we'll have kind of our own takes as we, you know, see, see, uh, as we see our own, you know, college careers end and we, you know, see uh, the, the, the future of the program and kind of, you know, what we've seen throughout, but, um, but yeah, these next couple of weeks are going to be, are going to be something for sure. Um, you know, I think the world, you know, when I say the world, I mean, the college basketball world is kind of, you know, kind of forgotten about Maryland. Um, there was a little bit of excitement at the beginning of the year, you know, maybe a lot of people picking them, you know, no, no one in particular, maybe myself picking them to finish in the top four of the conference, maybe even make a run to the, to the sweet 16. But, you know, the way the season has gone, that does not, that's not, I mean, the top four one's not in the cards. The sweet 16 is, you know, pretty much a 0% chance at this point. Um, you know, it'll be really interesting to see the way the season ends, the reaction to it. And then more than anything, you know, the way that this team gets assembled for next year, and maybe Kevin Willard can can kind of, you know, learn from some of the mistakes maybe he made, not necessarily, you know, knowing that this was how it's going to play out, but some of the mistakes that that went down uh, in terms of the roster construction, the scheduling and all that, and kind of, you know, maybe right the ship a little bit as you head into a very crucial year three, if you're missing the NCAA tournament at Maryland, you know, after making it the first year, kind of setting expectations there, missing the NCAA tournament at Maryland, you know, that's, that's a big deal. And, you know, going into year three, it will definitely be a lot of questions asked, but, you know, once again, that's probably a discussion for, for another time where we'll kind of do a more of a state of the union of the program um, later in the season. Yeah. I got nothing else. It's, it's just wait and see right now for the end of the season, six more games left, by the way, six more games. So yeah. And you got two, two ranked opponents there. Mm -hmm. One one at home uh, on Saturday, one on the road at Wisconsin on Tuesday night. Um, yeah. You said you have nothing else. I don't really have anything else. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, and we'll be back hopefully a little bit more consistently on the podcast. We apologize for uh for, for the couple of weeks off uh very very hectic time of year but uh but thanks everyone for listening as always your your support is so much appreciated we we thank you all for uh for all for all your listening for all your watching on youtube for all the reviews all that stuff uh it, it's greatly appreciated and we love doing it and you can also follow all of our uh our writing at testudotimes.com where we have coverage of not just the men's basketball team but also women's basketball um, and then all the spring sports are starting up too. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a busy time in the Maryland sports calendar. Maybe we'll have to, uh, to get some spring sports coverage on here as well.